Crime Pursuit Podcast welcomes Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA. This organization is dedicated to helping missing and murdered American Indian women and their families and to create awareness of the MMIR problems in this country. And now, Crime Pursuit Podcast is joining the fight, supporting the MMIR organization. So let's join the pursuit. Let's support MMIR. We got a new, and it's okay. We got a new pursuit. However, this is not dealing with uh, in particular case, but we have a special guest, and Jackie led on us what we got going on with this pursuit. Sure. Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA, also known as MMIW USA, is an organization dedicated to helping missing and murdered American Indian women and their families create awareness of the MMIW problems in this country. The Missing and Murder Indigenous Women USA Facebook page is dedicated to Sherry Ann, now I'm, I don't know how I'm going to say her name, Sherry Ann, is it Wounded Foot? Yes, ma'am. Okay, yeah. thank you. Who was murdered on August 16, 2016. May she rest in peace. Yes, um, and like I said for the listeners, this is something different we're doing. And the reason why we're doing this is because... I just feel that they're not getting the attention that they really deserve. So we decided to team up with this young lady, and I asked her to be a guest on Crime Pursuit Podcast because, Jackie, after talking to her, it was the things that she told me I wasn't even aware of. Right. You know, we're right here in small Indiana, okay? But she, you know, out in California on the West Coast where the Native American women are, there is an issue. Right. There Even are things in, um, going on that is Montana. Not, yes, everywhere, everywhere, and, yes. and and we don't. It, it's not being talked about on the news, and I don't like that. So we invited uh, the special guest, and her name is Forchika, and she is with the MMIW USA. Now let me say this before, in our intro, <laughs> Monty put. He said something about the MMIWR. I don't know. Bless his heart. He makes mistakes. So no disrespect to the organization. I just wanted to point that out. And we are truly sorry here at Crime Pursuit Podcast. Now, let's get to our guest. Uh, for, for Chica, 
I think I got that right. Fochik. Fochik. That just sound like a rapper or something. You know, I just I just need to like feel yeah, exactly. I almost started rapping, girl. I I feel like I wanna bust a beat or something and, and, and you're a college student too, right? Huh? And you're a college student, right? Yes, sir. Okay. All right, so welcome to the show. Tell us about this MMIWUSA. Um, okay, so MMIWUSA was started by Deborah May Tubby in 2016 because she worked, um, she lived in New Mexico on the Navajo Reservation, and she was seeing how the MMIW issue was just so rampant where she lived at. And then, you know, people that she worked with, she's working with, um, she's working as an advocate, basically, um, and she saw this happen to people that she knew personally, and that's what motivated her to start this organization. Okay, well, so how long have you been a member? How long have I been a member? Yes. Um, so I was uh, actually only a junior in high school when I started, um, and so that would have been... 2017 that I started, early 2017, and um, I started off, because I don't live in the part of the U.S. where MMIWSA mostly operates, um, I started off with making lists from different databases from law enforcement, um, collecting data on different, you know, southeastern states about MMIW, because we do have Native American women in the southeast where I live. Um, and we do have reservations out here. It's just not as much of a common issue, but I was motivated to try and figure it out, um, you know, just how bad it was in the Southeast because it's not really talked about so much. And then, you know, I got into social media outreach and maintaining the Facebook page, and I actually began doing interviews with different family members um, who, you know, have had their loved ones fall victim to this issue. Okay. And now I pretty much, that's what I do. I work with the families and I work on a Facebook page and I collect data for the entire United States now and I maintain the database that we use to write. Um, we started this at the beginning of the year. It's called a quarterly report that we do so we do it every three months out of the year um, and we just cover the last quarter um, you know for the time period that we're writing about review you know, what our predictions are based on what we've seen, how bad it was, and address people who were murdered and people whose cases we want to focus on. Um, and that data has actually been used by the FBI, apparently, according to a journalist who we work with frequently, who interviewed someone from the FBI and they mentioned it. So that's, I feel very accomplished. I don't want to toot my own horn, but um, that... The quarterly report is kind of our main, like my main focus right now, besides just keeping the data and making sure the Facebook page is updated, because it really gives us more of like an ability to see just how bad it is and where it's going, and the places in the U.S. where it's the worst, um, and that helps us to better, you know, work with families and find ways to help alleviate the problem. Okay, okay. So let me ask you, what is the the common mission for your, you know, this organization? Well, the common mission, you know, is basically just bringing these women home, um, women and girls, you know, especially, like, a lot of our cases have to do with, you know, just people who, you know, end up missing for whatever reason. It's not always some horrible crime that happens, um, but the fact that they're going missing means that they're at risk 
for something horrible happening. So we always want to make sure that we're accounting for whoever goes missing, no matter what the reason that they go missing is, and make sure that they end up safe at home with their families. And if that isn't able to be the case, if they've been, you know, if something has happened to them, then we want to make sure that, um, you know, law enforcement handles their case properly. Um, we want to advocate for their justice and push, you know, for them, you know, whoever has harmed them in any way. We want to make sure that justice is given out properly. And for those, you know, who end up suffering any kind of violence, um, right off the bat, we find out about it, you know, we're pushing for their justice. Now, here is something alarming that I found out, and I want you to, to bring this to the attention to our listeners. How many Native American women are murdered or come up missing every year? Um, based on the numbers that I've looked at, I would say over 500 on average per year. Is there a reason for that? Um, so a lot of the problems, you know, I mean, consider that we are less than 2% of the U.S. population, um, and we are not given that much attention. So, you know, a lot of people haven't been on a reservation or, you know, don't really, like, I've known people who are like, oh, you're the first Native American I've met. I'm like, oh, wow, you know, that kind of takes me, like, for, you know, it surprises me because I've grown up around Native people my whole life, obviously. <laughs> um, but... You know, because law enforcement, you know, has this idea about us that we are criminals or drunks or whatever else, which are stereotypes that, you know, people say all the time that, you know, Native Americans are alcoholics or whatever else, those stereotypes, people who are racist, um, traffickers going onto reservations and targeting women because they know with the federal jurisdiction issue because reservations are federal land like they're more likely to be able to get away with taking somebody um so there's just less of a value on our lives and um we need to push for you know the u.s as a whole and canada as well although our focus is the u.s we just want to push for wherever native women are that our lives are valued by the government by you know law enforcement by people um and you know that as a whole we are respected we want to push for that and that's why there's a need for it most definitely um, and so um you know in regards to trafficking i mean trafficking is really rampant in a lot of the places where there are reservations um and then um, man camps in the Dakotas on the back end oil field um, have played a huge role. Um, you know, just, there's so many factors into it. Um, Fochik, why do you believe that there is uh, such a great need for activists and organiza organizations such as MMIW? Um, to put it plainly, law enforcement just is not doing their jobs and that is often true for like a lot of missing persons cases like they don't take them seriously but with cases where it's a native woman going missing it's much less likely to be publicized law enforcement is much less likely to do anything about it um i've spoken to people who had cases where uh their loved one you know the law enforcement officer came to deal with the case and the law enforcement officer is just totally disrespectful um and you know because law enforcement isn't taking it seriously the government is really collecting proper data on it 
Um, and the issues of trafficking and domestic violence aren't really being taken seriously by the government. Someone has to do something. Yes, I actually yeah. read an article about the government's um, data on the MMIW issues is completely off and has been for years. Yeah, because they're not taking data regularly. And mm -hmm. so it's just, you know, it's not accurate because they don't regularly update it. They're not regularly discussing the issue and how to alleviate it like we are as advocates because that's our whole life, you know? Right. So what are three goals that you would like to accomplish with this organization? Uh, so as an organization, I mean, like, okay, we have things that we are doing that is totally separate and unique, um, and then things that, you know, we are doing just to help the common mission that all organizations have. So for, you know, like the common goals, I would say it's, you know, lower the number of women who are going missing every year by alleviating the issues. Um, seeking better representation, you know, for these women uh, when law enforcement is involved. And ending, ending negative stereotypes about Native women that lead to the issue, like stereotypes about alcoholism, sexualization, etc. Now, for our organization specifically, we, you know, obviously our goal is to, you know, help families in need. Um, we want to extend our program to men as well, because a lot of Native men also go missing. It's just Native women, it's, it's so much worse, you know and there's so little representation so our organization is mostly focused on women but we would love to be able to extend a program you know native men and then we have a program called staying sacred which is for teen girls and it started over in uh, oregon portland oregon where we're based out of um and so our founder deborah she does this once a month and what it is um it helps to train Native girls who are like teenagers, um, I think from the age of like 13 to 18, I'm not exactly sure uh, how old, you know, the age range is, but these girls come and they learn cultural teachings, so like things like, you know, how to use plant medicines, how to make, um, you know, different Native American, you know, and tribally specific craft items, regalia, which is ceremonial wear. Um, etc. They learn stories, uh, you know, from different tribes, and they learn things like self-defense. Wow, that's uh, wonderful. They learn, uh, you know, they have talks about things like trafficking, bullying, how to recognize, like, the signs of, you know, trafficking or at-risk, you know, situations or domestic violence, etc. And then, you know, the whole goal with all of that is to teach them how to be safe, and how to love who they are as Native, you know, women and grow into women, you know, who know their culture. Proud of that. And you should be very proud of that because not only does it keep the traditions alive, um, it, it shows them awareness and what they have to look out for and what they need to do to stay safe. Yeah, so we would love to just bring that to other places. And right now we're working on grants to possibly take that to Washington State and Oklahoma as well. Oh, wow. And I'm pretty excited about that. Yes, that's very exciting. I, I think, one, it's just fantastic what you're doing with the data um, because data mining is so important 
um, to bringing the issues and really getting clarity on, on what the problem is. When, you, when you've got that data, um, it just really helps to give the bigger picture. And I think it's fantastic if the FBI is using it because what you're doing is, is so important and it's a lot of work. I mean, I just can't commend you enough for that. Um, but I, I do want to say and ask you is, do you feel like the nation as a whole has any sense or awareness of this problem? And I know that's why you're, you're you know, bringing this organization to light. But do you feel like there's some parts of the country that are more aware than other parts of the country or as a whole? Definitely, like, as a whole, the nation is very unaware. Now, um, there was a movie that came out called Wind River. I think it was a year and a half ago, um, which a lot of people did end up seeing, and it touches, like, the whole thing is, it's, you know, on the Wind River Reservation, Wyoming, and um, a woman, you know, like, young woman, she's a teenager, has, uh, you know, been found dead, and her family is trying to get her justice and all of this, and um, it, you know, shows the issues. Um, It's kind of, like, shown in a way that isn't really accurate. It shows law enforcement as being much more caring than law enforcement actually is towards these families, but that movie brought this issue to light for a lot of people who had no idea. However, in places like where I live, for example, the Southeast, you know, everyone says, oh, I'm Native American so many generations back or whatever else, but they don't really care about Native issues. They don't really, you know, talk about it. They don't know that MMIW is a thing. There's a lot of people who, when I tell them, this is what's going on, they'd had no idea. And, you know, some of them don't even realize that there's a reservation in their state where they do. And they're just like, oh, like, I, you know, don't have anything to do with that. They don't really have anything to do with Native people. Um, and, you know, that's sad, but that's the way it is. Um, but, you know, in the Southwest, Pacific Northwest, Midwest, you know, there are a lot more Natives in comparison to East of the Mississippi. Um, and because of that, like, there are more people aware of the issue, but a lot of people outside of the Native communities who are, you know, living side by side with um, these Native groups sometimes, they don't even, you know, really care sometimes, and actually fairly often that's the case, and that's kind of why we have to do what we have to do. You know, we have to push for them to care and to see what's going on. Yeah, it's great that you're bringing this awareness, and that's definitely why we wanted to have you on so that we can help spread that. Do you, I guess, if you could pinpoint or even pick maybe the top three reasons. Why do you feel like there are so many missing indigenous women? Um, okay, for one, um, reservation life as a whole, the things that go on on the reservation, you know, there's a lot of poverty, there's a lot of just hopelessness, situations that go on, a lot of domestic violence. Um, and because the reservation is federal land, that means, you know, first you have the BIA police or tribal police, and then if it needs to be the FBI coming in, then the FBI is going to handle it. And the BIA police and tribal police like can be, you know, unreliable, to say the least. There's not always the funding to help the tribal police departments be the best that they can be. There's not always a lot of officers for these, you know, different police departments. Um, and then when the FBI comes in, you know, it can take days or even months for them to get there because, you know, they'll have a central office where they have to travel to different reservations and 
Um, you know, these are also officers that are dealing with other things um, that aren't tribal issues. So they're not going to give it their 100, especially if they're like, oh, this is just some, you know, random woman who, like, you know, like a lot of times I'll hear them say things like, oh, she's just, like, out partying somewhere. That's the attitude they tend to have. Um, but, you know, with that, it's like reservation life just plays such a huge role because women are, you know, falling victim to domestic violence or they're trying to get off the reservation and um, getting sucked into some kind of trafficking, sex trafficking or labor trafficking in order to get, you know, the money to leave. Um, and they're vulnerable to traffickers because they need money. If the traffickers, you know, like, hey, we can come here, we're more likely to get away with it, and these people are really in need, so we can take advantage of that. Um, and then, you know, I mean, with that being said, domestic violence is a whole separate facet of that. Um, you know, whether it's a native male or a white male or a black male or whatever else, um, you know, these women can fall victim to men who are violent, and um, they're more at risk. I mean, the... Uh, Rape rate for Native American women is one in three. Um, wow. And so, you know, once you've been, you know, if you're growing up being told, like, you don't exist to the rest of the nation, um, you're not good enough because you're Native, et cetera, and then you suffer that kind of thing, you're much more at risk for falling victim to someone who wants to hurt you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, and that's sad, but that, that makes complete sense um, just from a cultural level so I'm happy that you explained that to us because I was unaware of some of these issues too so mm-hmm. yeah I definitely was I, I'm like I ain't never heard of that before let me so let me ask you this can other races partner with your organization um, well you know being that you know we're native focused we're going to focus on native women but we do like to partner with other organizations that maybe aren't so focused on that issue specifically, if it's that event, um, or just a common goal of, you know, ending human trafficking, stuff like that. Like, we want to have, you know, the common goal of helping to make things safer for all women, but then we recognize that, okay, for us, you know, like, if we can't end violence against this specific group or that specific group or whatever else, then we can't end violence against all women. You feel me? So yeah. it's like... We, yeah. we have a lot of respect for other groups that are focused on, you know, different groups of women. And, you know, with that, like, natives come in all kinds of colors. We're not just the stereotypical, you know, brown with long black hair. Sometimes, you know, we're mixed with, you know, African-American or white or even Asian. And so we come in a lot of different colors, and that brings other races, people who maybe you're native and you go missing, and the only person you've grown up with your whole life is your mother who is African-American or white. We work with them, and, you know, we care a lot about bringing these girls home no matter what tribe they're mixed with, what other race they're mixed with, where they come from. And, um, you know, so although our organization is very focused on Native issues, you know, especially considering children, we do post children on our page no matter what race they are, if it comes up and, um, you know, comes to our, you know, attention. Um, But we, you know, mostly focus on Native issues, but there is no opposition whatsoever to working with anyone who is of a different race. Okay, because, you know, I wanted to be clear about that because one time, 
Jackie, I walked in some years ago. I walked in a, a, a Chinese-like store meeting thing, and they was about ready to jump me. He was, <laughs> no, no, get to get out of here. You're too black. You're too, I'm like, too black? I'm light-skinned. <laughs> so I just wanted to be clear about that because I didn't want to come to a meeting, and then, you know, somebody say, no, no, you're not allowed, and, you know, it's just a, a Native American thing. So that's why I wanted to, you know, that's why I wanted to ask that question. And be mm -hmm. just completely clear, <clears throat> because I, I I really support this. I I really think this is a good. I, I agree with what Heather was saying earlier. You know, I commend you as well, and the other women and what y'all doing, and this is wonderful. So, with that being said, we know this is a problem. Are there any specific areas that where the most women, the Native American women, are being murdered or coming up missing? If they're just a certain area or all over in the hole? Um, now, most of the, you know, cases happen east of the Mississippi. Um, I mean, west of the Mississippi, I'm sorry. East of the Mississippi, there are less natives, mostly because of, you know, the trail of peers and other genocides that, you know, were happening at the time uh, when the trail of peers was going on. So most natives are west of the Mississippi and most cases of MMIW are west of the Mississippi as well because that's where most natives are. Um, but with that being said, some places are more active than others in cases. Um, so far this year for all the data that I have, Montana, which is, you know, considered a Midwestern state, has been the worst pretty much every month of the year. Um, and sometimes numbers just skyrocket, which is just so sad to me because in Montana, now there are seven reservations in Montana as a whole, and it's a big state, but Montana does not have a lot of people. And when you look at the states that are, you know, have the highest numbers of Native Americans, not going by percentages, but the numbers, Montana doesn't even make the top ten for most Natives. Wow. So why is it the worst every month, you know? Because there are more Natives than... Oklahoma, there's more natives in California, there's more natives in New Mexico, Arizona in number, but Montana continually is the worst. And you know, I have some thoughts about that, but other states that are really bad are Oklahoma, Washington State, South Dakota, sometimes North Dakota is fairly bad as well. Um, and then Arizona and particularly New Mexico. Um, California does have, you know, they have several reservations in California. But it's kind of like the issue isn't as strong there for whatever reason. It may have to do with law enforcement. Um, but we just don't see quite as many cases coming out of there as, you know, other places in the southwest and the Pacific Northwest and Midwest. Voce, can I ask you, um, is your organi organization funded? And if so, how? Uh, we get our funding, like all our operations, you know, just to get funding for that. That comes from grants. Um, you know, those come from universities and other organizations. Um, and then we do a lot of things to help families that require money, like, you know, if you want to put on a search or help, you know, donate to a legal fund or whatever else. Those kinds of things we get from donations. Um, we sell T-shirts ever so often. We'll have a T-shirt fundraiser to raise money for those kinds of things. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I also want to ask um, Frida let the listeners and us as well how can people help how can we help okay so um you know for those who are not living in a place where these cases are happening you know just 
talking about it, spreading awareness, um, trying to end negative stereotypes because we just have to continually push and push against this idea about Native Americans, you know, not being worth anything or being drunks or being partiers or, you know, criminals or whatever else because that is not true. There are so many Natives nowadays who are college educated, who are smart, who are wise, um, intelligent, moral, you know, there are a lot of good Natives out there, but the focus is always the alcoholics, you know, all the negative stereotypes about us. And then the stereotypes that we aren't here don't exist. I remember when I was in high school, I actually had someone come up to me and say, you know, all the Native Americans died. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm standing right in front of you. How can you wow. say that? Um, but you know, people say those things, and they're obviously, you know, like to me as someone who's native, like that's obviously not true. To someone who hasn't encountered a lot of natives, um, you might say, oh yeah, all the Native Americans died, and it just makes sense because you've never met one. Or yeah. you know, you've only encountered natives who fit that stereotype. We just have to consider, you know. Like, okay, the stereotypes are harming Natives, and we have to push against them, you know, by talking about it, um, by talking about the MMIW issue, by talking about Natives as, you know, a whole what's going on in Indian country, which is what we call, like, reservations and Oklahoma. That's known as Indian country. So what's going on there? What are Natives doing, um, you know, to thrive and, you know, be part? Because we have a modern culture, you know? It's just not so commonly known about. It's more obscure to the majority of the United States. Right. Um, so talking about it is just huge. And then if you live in the Southwest or, you know, wherever else cases are happening in Oklahoma, Midwest, you know, Washington State, etc., um, taking part in searches if a case comes up in your area, putting up flyers, spreading it around, you know, sharing it on social media, um, pressuring law enforcement to handle the cases. We have had to do that before. Um, especially there was a case in um, Alaska that happened, and I wrote an article about it after doing the interview uh, with the family, and we just posted that up again. Um, no, it was a different case, actually, that we just posted up, but in the same area of uh, Alaska. Um, and it was like... This law enforcement officer, the sergeant, had not contacted the family about their daughter who was murdered. Um, and, you know, she had been a victim of domestic violence. And they were like, oh, well, we're not going to press charges against the guy for whatever reason. And they stopped wow. investigating, even though, you know, they were supposed to. This guy committed a murder. They were like, oh, well, we don't know for sure if he did it. We can't arrest him, yada, yada. And so what I did was I wrote an article and put it out there. And use grassroots efforts, having people contact the police station and let them know, like, hey, you need to handle this case. And after, like, a year waiting for the sergeant to get back with her, the mother of this woman finally got a call back from him. And so things like that can be effective, grassroots efforts, petitions, marches, um, you know, pressuring legislators to do something, you know, to help, you know, provide legal protections for Native women and Native women in these states. I'm sorry, <laughs> my grammar. Um, but all those things are, you know, really helpful, even if you can't get on the ground and search, um, you know, pushing for justice is, you know, what we need. Yes. You know, the thing is, when I hear her talk about the stereotype, and I can identify with that, because, you know, a lot of blacks, that's the way people, they, they say either they're, uh, rapists, murderers, gangbangers, and not all people are all blacks or 
uh, Native American people are like that, just like same thing with whites. They're right. not all bad. And so I understand what she's saying about, <clears throat> you know, being stereotyped. Right. And, and it's really sad to hear for her to say that they this is something constant that they have going on. Right. So It's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I actually, I grew up in an area where uh, the majority of people were African American, so I grew up seeing that, you know, it's so much more common than people think that these stereotypes just hurt people. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. Yeah, they do. Well, again, we want to commend you for taking those stands and doing the work that you're doing, um, because I know I was unaware, I don't know about everyone else, we were unaware of this organization until it was brought to our attention and the problem mm-hmm. of missing women and Native American women. Um, also, again, just mining all that data is such a task and, and it's commendable. Um, I guess if, if I could say one thing, too, I feel like, and I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the culture of Native Americans, once they were pushed to reservations, and, and I say pushed, forced, as we know with history, um, I feel like they, they're the forgotten culture. They're the forgotten people. Right. Uh, it's kind of like, well, let's just forget about them. They'll handle their own business and they'll take care of their own problems. And so we push it aside. You don't see the news media. You don't see the news reports every day about it. Um, I just feel like they were just kind of segregated and pushed away. And, and it's still, unfortunately, current to, in today's society, which is sad to me, especially after hearing this. This kind of confirms it for me. I agree. But I, I want to ask, I guess, why do you feel like more people should get involved? Um, well, obviously, like... I want the issue to end. I want more people to be aware of what's going on. Um, and then, you know, as a whole, we're talking about, you know, bringing to light the fact that Native Americans are even still alive. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people who aren't raised around Natives, or raised in, even Native people who aren't raised in their own culture. I was kind of one of those people as well. Um, and so we need to bring to light, the, you know, the fact that Natives are still here. We are, you know, pushing for our survival, the survival of our cultures, the survival of our women, um, you know, and the end of this violence against us, the end of violence against all women, because I think I said this earlier, we can't end violence against women if we're not ending it for every woman, whether they're Native, whether they're Black, Asian, you know, Hispanic, white, whatever else, we can't end violence against them if we're leaving any one group out. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Well, you know, I'm like Heather. I commend you for what you and the rest of the group is doing. And when I sit here and listen to you tell your story, and, you know, when she said earlier, when she was talking about, I believe it was Montana, where it just feel like these sex traffickers can just go there and just, it's like... Like picking up an animal or something and just saying, hey, I want to take this or take this one, and I can get away with it. That is sick. And sadly, that's how sex traffickers really do think. They get so deep into it and get away with things for so long that that's why we have such a massive amount of sex trafficking cases. Well, I... Yeah, it's just disgusting. Very. Yeah, I agree. And and Mm -hmm. hearing that, that they can go to these reservations and they target them for a reason... It, and and not, not just them, but still, here it is. They have their reservation. They're minding their own business. They're living their life. And then you get some idiot, some creep, mm-hmm. who thinks that he can just prey 
on these young, beautiful girls because Native American women are very, very attractive, beautiful right. women. And see, significantly, they know yeah. that the law enforcement isn't going to enforce anything major. Yeah. You know, if it yeah, is reported. The main thing is that they know this, like, when it comes to reservations, law enforcement just does not have such a presence. And yeah. So, you know, they're like, okay, we can go here, we can do whatever we want. And um, there is one um, Supreme Court case that really just hammered, you know, the nail in on this. And it's um, Olyphant, I believe is the, um, yeah, the last name, Olyphant versus the Suquamish tribe. And this happened in the 70s, late 70s, where... This white man who's living on the Suquamish Reservation in Washington, he had, you know, he had committed a crime, the police were after him, and he um, had to be taken down with a bit more force, uh, and so he didn't like that, especially because it was happening on the reservation, so he came back and said, hey, since I'm not a member of this tribe, the p- tribal police didn't even be allowed to arrest wow. And so wow. he ended up winning that case. And so now that's basically the whole issue that goes on. That tribe or a different tribe, if you commit on a, a crime on the reservation, the FBI has to come in. The only way that the tribal courts or tribal police can be involved is if it's two natives. Like, you know, the victim is native and the perpetrator of the crime is native. Wow. Okay, so... That's interesting. Okay, let let me say this. So, okay, she's saying that the FBI is the one that gets involved. Okay, so when they get involved, whoever committed this crime, are they prosecuted to the fullest? Uh, Well, when it comes to the FBI, I mean, you know, the FBI usually isn't doing a proper investigation, so if they even find someone to prosecute, you know, like that alone is something that's like, wow, I'm surprised they even found someone to prosecute. But then you have to go to the magistrate court, you know, the federal federal court, and from there, usually, like, and part of the reasoning for this, doing this, like, oh, well, an all-Native jury in a Native American court would be biased, so it needs to be, like, you know, mixed. But then they come in with the juries in the federal court, and every single person on the jury is a non-Native. That's pretty much the rule, that they're going to be a non-Native, so... Wow. You know, the jury is either ignorant or biased against the native person. Uh, okay, but here, here's my thing. Even even if the jury is all white or all black or whatever, the issue is they this person committed a crime against another human being. Right. That yeah. should be the issue regardless of where uh-huh. it, it was on the reservation. What the, the thing I'm saying is this individual committed a crime against another person so oh, it yeah. it shouldn't matter if they're not aware if if i'm on a jury and and they bring a guy that committed a crime against a, a native american woman i'm not looking at the native american woman's race right that doesn't yeah. matter she's a victim she's a victim i'm looking at mm-hmm. dude what did you do and if the evidence overwhelmingly proves you done this regardless of what, what kind Without of charge she is doubt. or whatever, yes. dude, you are hit. Yep. Period. Yeah. And so, you know, you think that would be the case. And, I mean, these people, if they do get caught, they can get prosecuted, and sometimes they do. But then even, you know, this happens a lot with judges. The judges aren't giving them adequate sentences or, you know, even saying, like, hey, this person should be guilty. And, I mean, that happens... 
a lot with cases, you know, outside of Indian country as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, things like the Brock Turner case, that's a perfect example where a judge saw violence against a woman and said, hey, you know, like, she's not really a victim here because this person is such and such, you know. Wow. And judges do that a lot to Native women. That's absolutely oh, heartbreaking. That is so sad. Like, heartbreaking. <laughs> Yeah, that is. That is just so rude and disrespectful. Uh, because not only to a Native American women, but just the, the vic- for her being a victim alone. Right. Yeah. You and, know. And it, yeah, and it feels like we haven't even progressed in society from back into the 1800s. You know, I feel like right. having <laughs> this conversation, I, I feel like we've just, we've not evolved. Where's the humanity? Yeah, yeah. Like, like we've not evolved. It's just now changed. Instead of the, you know, originally pushing um, the natives onto their own reservations alone, you know, I feel like now it's just taken a different shape and a different form. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, justice for Native Americans has come, like, really recently in comparison to other groups. I mean, it wasn't, like, you know, to make this personal, my great-grandmother was born in the United States. She was one half Native American, but when she was born, she wasn't considered a U.S. citizen. She was 42 when Native Americans were given U.S. citizenship in 1924. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, we didn't get our religious rights until 1978, and we didn't get our voting rights. It is, you know, depending on where you live, voting rights came differently. Um, You know, so things like that, it's like, it's just, you know, late, and then, you know, things like boarding schools, which were really bad, and that's a whole other issue in its own, but, you know, the government put Native Americans in these boarding schools to separate from them from their culture and try to make them, you know, like, civilized, in quotations. Um, Talk about segregation. Like, um, wow. so, like, you know, they're like, oh, these, you know, Native Americans, their culture is uncivilized. They're savages. I mean, they even wrote us that way. And, you know, <laughs> like, they call this merciless Indian savages in the Constitution. Like, this has been a thing, you know, that they thought about us. And the boarding schools, you know, kids were abused and stuff. And the boarding schools are one of the root causes of, you know, so much violence uh, happening in Native communities. And that, you know, those didn't stop till the 1990s. A lot of people I know were in the boarding schools and they had parents who were in the boarding schools. And, you know, those just really, you know, broke down Native American families and communities. Well, that, <clears throat> yeah. that is crazy. I, I'm sitting here mind blown, but... You know, Same. I, I want to make a promise to you while you're here. Mm-hmm. And, Fochek, uh, I want you to go back, and I want you to tell the MMIWUSA that Crime Pursuit got y'all back. For sure. Thank you. So we much. have <laughs> your back. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So <laughs> and, you know, there are a lot of cases out there you know, that could be covered, that we have information on. But uh, we are just so thankful for everyone who, you know, gives us support. Well, you know what? Those cases, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to talk to some of the people that are trying to get these cases, people of the organization, and you get those to us. If you want to get them out there and get people talking about them, we will cover them on this podcast. 
We will yes, do we that. Will. This team will we will be devoted and dedicated in helping this organization try to get justice for any of these women or children or even the men. We mm -hmm. will be there to help. And because, see, what we have going, we have what we call a um, crime pursuit uh, rep. And we have its own private group. And we like to re recruit people from different states. And we interact with these reps. And, and that's why we're building, getting reps from every state to help us with cases. We want to do this with your organization as well. We want to bring you a part of what we got going on. We are welcoming your organization as we speak right now. We have Thank the MMIWSA so -M back. We are there. Yes. And anytime, you guys, you already have my personal information. You have contact with Heather and Jackie on Facebook. And you can come to me on Facebook. It doesn't matter. You guys got cases that want to be brought out there because the regular, the newses and stuff, you know, podcasts may not be talking about them. Come to us. We will help. I don't Thank care who so get much. mad. I don't care if they say, Ed, what is your black ass doing? Well, I don't <laughs> care. Ed going to do what Ed going to do. Women are victims. We stand in there. I don't care who get mad. Mm -hmm. This country is for all of us. You hear me? Yes. 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 So... Well, uh, I, I hope I keep getting your name right because, I, like I said, I keep getting thrilled when I say this faux chick. No, you got it. I got it? Faux okay. Because I just want to yeah. feel like she's going to start rapping or something. You know? <laughs> I don't know why. You know, I, it, and uh, for the listeners, I want to get it clear. Uh, when we first was talking, it took me 30 minutes to get this under control. Uh, Heather had to give me a one of them duh, 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 duh classes. And, you know, y'all kind of pray for me, <laughs> listeners, because we, my ADHD was kicking in and Heather had to get me together. So um, y'all just pray. I'm just a little retarded. It, it's been with me ever since I was two. So it, it took, I'm sorry it took so long, for chick, for me to get it because I was just like, but, but you know, so you got to work. Mm -hmm. Don't go back and laugh and tell everybody, you know, I messed up. I'm just head bounced. Yeah, you know. That's all right. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, like, and, you know, for me, I mean, I'm proud to have, you know, a Bikasaw language name. And, um, you know, <laughs> I get that, like, Chickasaw language is only, like, a thousand people who speak it at all. And there's, like, you know, 50 speakers who that's their first language. So it's, like, not a commonly known thing. But it's just, you know, one of those things, you know, people have names that represent who they are, and this one is, you know, mine. It's not my legal name, but it is my Chickasaw name, and I'm just proud of it. Oh, yeah, that's yes. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, be that's proud awesome. of it. And yeah, you need proud. to be proud of yourself, for sure. Yep. Yeah, thank you. That's right. Well, you go back and you let everybody know what Crime Pursuit Podcast said, and we appreciate you being brave and coming on the show and explaining and bringing awareness to something we had no clue about. We appreciate you, sweetheart. We really do. And like Thank I said, so I, your work is appreciated as well. Okay, Thank and you. that's fine. Thank you. Thank you. So spread the word. We got y'all back. And anytime you need to be on this show, honey, reach out to me. We got you. Even though we're we're overwhelmed, busy, we ain't too busy for, for the MMIW USA. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Well, it's that time. And we got to roll out and we'll be back with a new pursuit. Y'all have a good evening.